The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Hey, it's uh, 2.14 on the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News, and we're going to talk here a little bit of money and the city, the city of Edmonton, releasing its proposed 2019-22 budget, which adds up to a 10% tax hike over the next four years. And that, uh, friends, is not sitting well with uh, the Edmonton Chamber of Commerce. Uh, the CEO there, Janet Riopel, uh, had this to say about that. It's hugely significant. Over the last uh, 10 years, uh, you know, th- this city has taken um, uh, huge hits. In um, Over the last four years, of course, we've had an economy that has tanked and uh, business has struggled with the piling on of costs that has happened uh, and continues to happen from all orders of government. So we've seen, uh, you know, we've seen uh, a massive minimum wage hikes. We've seen carbon tax. We've seen all kinds of employment standards and labor relations changes. The Codes have changed and they've caused all kinds of increases for business. We've seen federal tax changes. All of these things have uh, have combined to be really punishing, to have really punishing effects on business. So then you you top that off with continued property tax hikes. And and we're just saying enough is enough. My goodness, uh, Rhea Pell breaks down the numbers saying the city simply has too many staff members. I can tell you that staffing over the last 10 years has increased 44% and our population only increased 28%. So if, if you just compare those, there's about an extra 1,500 employees in the system uh, comparing city staff to population, which is, which is a comparator that's used often, often. Now, in hopes of saving money, the Chamber is proposing a two-for-one initiative, and that means hiring one person for every two that leave. This strategy will allow them, would allow them to, to hire or rehire for, for key positions. It does mean meaningful savings, though, because if you, if you say, when we look at the stat, 5 to 8% of employees leave each year. So this strategy over just two years would save about $80 million. And you know what? That's half of the proposed tax hikes for the next four years in our city. Got All right. Well, the there. Chamber also hoping, just like the province with its unions, the city holds civic unions at a wage freeze. That's mm. some good jumping off point to start a conversation with Michael Walters, our guest in studio from Ward 10. Uh, and welcome again to the show. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. So well, the whole job thing yeah. was front and center for, for you. And this has been on, on, on your mind as well over the last couple of days, hasn't it? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I appreciate um, Ms. Riopel's comments. Uh, back in 2016, I had actually asked for a report that uh, basically benchmarked uh, property tax in Edmonton against other competitor type cities as it relates to the effect it has on business investment. So do our property taxes discourage businesses mm-hmm. from setting up here, or investors from investing here is essentially the question. And what that report told me back then uh, was that we are kind of equal or on par with a lot of competitor cities that have you know similar sizes, similar industries, et cetera. Uh, wasn't totally satisfied with the answer so I asked uh, a second question at budget last year about uh, what role does the property tax in combination with federal and provincial taxes and other uh, uh, things like minimum wage such as Ms. Riopel mentioned uh, you know all together how is that affecting business investment and what that report said which just came out a couple weeks ago was that when it comes to large investors it's pretty small potatoes you know the 
the amount that they pay in property tax isn't a make or break mm -hmm. by any means, but it's starting to have an effect on small and medium-sized mm -hmm. businesses. And, I, you know, the stories I've heard from folks, uh, well, there's many that want more services and want us to spend uh, more money, which you always hear from those folks. I'm hearing more and more from businesses that are struggling uh, with property tax and subsequent lease rates and people who aren't even setting up businesses to begin with uh, because they're worried that they're not going to make a go of it. Yeah. And, and that starts to worry me. Well, All right, so let's, can we talk about specifically uh, residential uh, property taxes? Well, let me ask you this first mm -hmm. before. Um, We've been hearing this 750 new job positions um, over, what, the next four years? Correct. Is that right? Okay. So first of all, I, and I don't expect to understand the budget at all, but if, uh, sort of an overview of the budget, cost of employees is roughly, what, half the budget? 60, just about 60% wow. is labor. Cost. Okay. It's like, so that's cost of the salaries, benefits. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, Pension. okay. And then, uh, just you know, just to, to sort of clarify as a jumping off point for the conversation. So, when uh, you look at what employees are being hired, uh, I think our minds as taxpayers go immediately to a whole bunch of people with duplication of effort and you know various uh, government. Yeah, maybe right. Yep. It, but it, does it also include police officers? Yeah. All right. So I'll break and that. It, I can break okay. That apart all right. And it, so. and maybe if you could clarify too that when the police chief or or the next police chief or the former police chief asks for more money, you kind of assume that that's going to cover employees. So are those two different budgets or no, are those? That's the same. Okay. So we only deal with the police at budget. So that is our opportunity to, to, uh, to shape uh, the kind of force and service that we have. So 747 employees, new new FTEs included in this budget ask, which is still proposed, by the way. Yeah. There's a lot of talk out there that it's approved and 3.3 is the tax increase. That's just proposed and we have, uh, you know, a whole football field of debate in front <laughs> of us. Uh, to, to get to, to wherever we land. But the 747, let's take 250 out of that right away because that's the Expo Center employees that move over as part of the okay. deal with Northlands and EDC, Edmonton Economic Development Corporation, now running Expo Center. So that's just okay. a movement of existing, which is basically um, just a, a lateral move, not, not that dramatic. Uh, secondly, uh, so that leaves you about uh, 500. Uh, I think about two, between two and three hundred of those over the next four years are, are, are EPS. So uh, the formula that we fund EPS with, we actually have a policy now that says we'll fund you annual increases based on population growth plus something called the, uh, the police price index. So it's kind of like inflation, but... Police know. price <laughs> index? It's, it's a, it's That's a, a new one. Well, yeah. because police have different costs. Right. You know, Consumer price index is us, but we don't yeah. have to buy guns and vests and, you know, superpower vehicles. Right. <laughs> like there's a different yeah. pricing sure, structure okay. for policing yeah. than it is for a parent needing to raise their kids, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, so that's why they have that index. So it's population plus that index, uh, plus there's an efficiency factor that, so if you remember the mayor, when he first ran for mayor, talked about the council 2%, every department had to find 2% efficiency. Right. And then that money would be harvested put back into a tax decrease or used to spend on other things, which was always the choice. The, the police price in, or the, the efficiency factor for police is a quarter of a percent. So I would ask myself, and I think many councillors will ask, well, why, why is it 2% for every other part of the administration mm. and a quarter of a percent for police? And I think that's, those are the kinds of questions that the budget debate should ask, get good answers to, and make changes to if necessary to help reduce the tax levy. And I can assure you that every councillor that I've spoken to uh, uh, in earnest about this budget is trying to get it much lower than is proposed. So, so I think most 
average Edmontonians, though, would love to see a budget that resulted in a tax decrease as opposed to limiting the amount of the increase. Why is that, in general terms, never seemingly possible? Well, so there's two arguments that are, you, whether you buy them or not, is, is, is the choice of your lis- listeners, for sure. But the, the argument is that we, we've been playing catch-up for a long time. And I think we were getting, because there were a lot of 0% tax increases in the 90s that led to us then needing to catch up in neighborhood, renewal infrastructure, roadways. You've seen the amount of investment in roads, arterial roads, the last number of years. I look at my ward alone. Mm-hmm. It's almost completely rebuilt, uh, and that's it's very noticeable. Uh, so we fall behind, and then you have to pay to, you pay more to catch up. And and so there's a fair bit of infrastructure that's been financed through debt and or directly through through some uh, pay-as-you-go strategies, tax levy strategies. Uh, at some point, though, it's especially when then we're coupled with an economic slowdown, the average uh, household income starts to stagnate mm-hmm. and city spending trend is the trajectory is up. So unless you attack the base budget, right? Because everything happens... Everything we spend last year gets in the base, we forget about it, and then we argue about the stuff we're proposing for this year. So what we did three years ago, and this is my point about the the new hires, is three years ago we said, okay, instead of doing the hack and slash, just, you know, 5% across the board kind of approach, we need to go meticulously through the base, all the lines of business the city's in. And in time for the next budget, was my understanding, say... Uh, here's a bunch of uh, programs that are no longer relevant or are not working as effectively. There's savings to be had. There's fixes to be made, changes to be made, so that the base was uh, compressed. Mm-hmm. Because there's no doubt in that base there are things we don't need to do anymore. Well, that needs to be an ongoing process. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. So that's why, and I, you know, I'm not going to beat up on former council, yeah. councils because someday some future council will beat up on me. <laughs> but we started that last term and we said that this sort of digging around in the base and finding inefficiencies and finding waste and rooting it out and taking that money to fund these new and often necessary programs or expenditures, that's how you would fund it. So my, so when we haven't finished that program and service review, in fact, we only finished a third of it, and then we're asking for an additional 500 new FTEs. My, and we're still in sluggish economic times, very precarious, that the news today about Keystone mm-hmm. being you know, setback, mm-hmm. the lack of the pipeline to the to the West Coast still a challenge. Provincial political dialogue that's political and not economic. Edmonton's got to be very, very cautious in how it approaches this budget. And I'd say, and I, I, I didn't use the term hiring freeze because that's, that's hyperbolic. And what I said is we need to put all of these uh, FTE requests on hold until this program of service review is complete then we can start reintroducing necessary hires. And it's about having all the right information about whether what we're doing today is worth every penny before we take more pennies and add into the mix. Yeah, because, you know, and again, you know, I'm not a counselor and I don't know what you do. You don't, but I'm a citizen. Yeah. So I look at it. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. So I I totally agree with you that you have to look back and say, well, you know, those decisions were made years ago. It was a different city, a different council, and we need to, you know, restructure that or, or reduce that. So that's great. But I also, I'm skeptical always when we have major, especially infrastructure type projects that won't be completed until 2020, whatever, that we don't assume that there's going to be other economic downturns in that time between now and then. I'm also quite skeptical, honestly, when 
I know that the sitting council today will not be the council in eight years, and then they'll have the opportunity to say, well, it was that council back in, you know, 2018, right? right? It's always that way, right? But is there a way to avoid that? I mean, is there a way to say... I I don't think you want to avoid that, because then you're stuck in a world of short-term planning, which is actually the most expensive thing that governments (laughs) can do, is short-term plan. The fact that, you look at the way Edmonton's built, we, you know, finally now, last term... Uh, and I think the mayor deserves a ton of credit for this, is we have a long-term regional plan. And I've said on this show before, I believe, that now we know where our growth is going to go, how it's going to be organized around the region, the density targets. Uh, that new plan, uh, compared to the last one, saves us 250 sections worth of farm, quarter sections of farmland and $5 billion worth of infrastructure wow. that we don't have to beg the province for and the federal government for. Or, and it, it, it makes infrastructure delivery more efficient which makes the region more investment friendly. So right. that long-term planning is essential. So I would I would argue against any worrying well, about what you're leaving. Right. I'm not saying get rid council. of long-term planning. I'm saying that if you take the economic factors that go into long-term planning and then make as your first assumption that you're probably wrong. You know, as in terms sure. of, uh, it's probably going to be more population growth than you thought. It's probably going to be less revenue than you thought, and there's probably going to be a disastrous oil, right. uh, you know, event somewhere in there. <laughs> so here's the mistake that we're, I think, we're making as cities, and I, I think we're literate uh, to the mistake, but we haven't figured out how to deal with it yet. Which is that we're putting too much pressure on one tool, mm. which is the property tax. Property tax. I agree. Used to be for making sure that our roads were good. Their neighborhoods were safe. We had transit. We had some rec centers. We had offer quality of life. But as this city, knowing that Edmonton is not the same thing as Athabasca or as Drumheller or as Warburg, cities are complicated. They're big. There's lots of diversity here. There's lots of challenges. Uh, we're now using the property tax to deal with climate change issues. We're now using the property tax because there's a lot of urgency, in my opinion, about that. We're using the property tax to deal with housing issues. That saves the taxpayer a lot of money. More people are housed, the less they're on the streets, getting into trouble with the police, et cetera. But we need a new funding formula, and it's a recognition of a different kind of relationship that's required between the province and federal government. Because we're using your property tax dollars, which are finite, to solve a bunch of problems that need a different funding strategy. For sure. We've got to take our break, uh, take a look at news headlines. Why are you shrugging your shoulders like that? I'm not. I'm just looking at you. Oh, all right. It's great to great to make eye contact with you, Jay Lid and I. Uh, you know what? Let's. Uh, can we hold you over yeah, for I'm a happy, little bit after the break? All right. You let's give do me that. some more coffee. <laughs> sure, I can do that. Actually, I need to cup myself, <laughs> and then we'll talk. Uh, maybe we'll talk a little LRT after uh, yeah. after the news. You're listening to the 6:30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross on 6:30 Chad Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Ward 10 City Councillor Michael Walters joining us in studio on this Friday afternoon talking budget. We wanted to switch over to... Uh before we do, okay. can I ask one more budget-related question? Uh, only because somebody has asked me the question, and I saw this uh, and thought, oh, you better not. Um, one of the areas in which you're, the city's looking to save $14.8 million has to do with um, changes to roadside garbage collection. <laughs> what does that mean? So this is, again, uh, dug out of the program and service review that there are different ways to provide services. So, you know, if I remember that presentation correctly, uh, there was a lot of information about a lot of different things given given to us that day, but it was that we have one crew that deals with one part of the garbage collection near bus stops and then another crew that 
deals with them inside of buses. Wait a minute. And More than one crew doing the same job? <laughs> I find that hard to believe. And, and don't quote me on that exactly, but <laughs> yeah. they know, they named it and noted it as, a, as a, an oddity that needed to be corrected. And, and this is the point. I think that when uh, you know household incomes are struggling and, and our economy is, is, is uh, creating anxiety for people, and then we see money that isn't being... Uh, that you don't see the value derived from the dollars you give to the city, and then we ask for more. Uh, I understand people's uh, cynicism and 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 worry, and we need to do our job to look for ways to particularly complete this program and service review, which will unearth more stuff like that. I'm I'm convinced uh, before we before we start hiring. New and that people. was the base budget you were talking about. And that's about. the base budget. Okay. And that's the nature of the debate. And now through the debate, uh, it may be pointed out to me. Uh, because I'm not an all-or-nothing guy, it may be pointed out to me that we need these eight people for this thing now, and I'll be convinced that there's good reason to do that. But I'm starting with a disposition that until I can see the base is as tight as we can get it. Uh, and it's not just a government question. Big organizations are struggle with waste and inefficiency mm -hmm. all the time. It's just a scale question. Uh, and until we're, I'm convinced that we're we're clear about what's in that base. I'm I'm worried about adding too much. Okay. Were you surprised? And actually, I applauded um, the city's chief economist John Rose when he came out the other day and cautioning council about um, about the strain on the typical household. Were you surprised by that? That he that he did that? And and what did you take from that? Well, I'm not I'm not surprised by that because you know he's a scientist. Yeah. And he's supposed to tell us his science, and and he did that. Um, uh, this is not surprising to us that the economy hasn't recovered here. We have a very uh, unfortunate uh, political climate, in my opinion, uh, in Alberta, where uh, on one hand, uh, big investment players are, are still timid of a new Democrat government, you know, fairly or unfairly. Mm -hmm. I think that's uh, a true statement. Uh, and then the opposition party, which wants to be government, only talks about one single in industry mm -hmm. obsessively. Mm -hmm without any uh, discussion about economic diversification and other important industries. So the combination of that, in my, in my view, is very dangerous and leaves a city like Edmonton in a, in a position where uh, uh, our ambitions and, and uh, the money that we may need to spend on things, we have to be really careful about spending those right now because if the economy gets weaker mm -hmm. uh, or if the next government comes in and, and takes a big crack at the public service, which is what happened here in the 90s and affected Edmonton's economy, I just think we have to be mindful, mindful of that. Yeah, well, a couple, a couple yeah. elections like the, the provincial and exactly. federal election coming up. Oh. Gosh, it must be a huge challenge well, to try and plan. Let's talk about a specific project then. because <laughs> let's you talk have talk about the LRT. Yeah, the LRT, the Valley Line uh, LRT expansion. So Tim Cartmel published a, a blog yesterday, I believe, uh, arguing the city should cancel plans to build that uh, LRT expansion until government has or has not changed hands because you have an NDP government that agreed to funding or to, uh, you know, cooperate with the funding to kick in some money that you've got another, you've got people waiting in opposition who have said that we're scrapping a carbon mm -hmm. tax. And if I'm not mistaken, it was from the carbon tax that we were mm -hmm. going to get the money for the West Valley uh, so, so expansion. I can, I can answer questions about the specific line uh, in a second, but the, so there was a long period of time where we never expected governments to change in this province at all. And now it's yeah. like we always expect them to change, but the, and that may happen, but the, the, I'm, I'm not worried about because uh, Jason Kenney has and Jason Nixon have both said, and I'll take them for take them at their word that they would uh, 
support and maintain any any funding for projects that have been committed okay. by the provincial government. Uh, so I have no reason to, to to mistrust their word on on that. Now, what worries me about that government change, if it if it happens, uh, and I, is is the nature of or, or the effect it will have on Edmonton from an employment perspective, because there's been other musings about. The, the public sector. That's right. Uh, and I certainly wouldn't want a, a replay of what happened uh, in the 90s because it not only did it affect Edmonton's economy, which is a government center town, like it or lump it, it, it is what it is. Uh, and any sort of rash, reckless cuts to the public service will in fact have a, an effect on jobs in the city of mm -hmm. Edmonton and our assessment growth and our economy as a whole. And, and any major cuts or, or lack of investment in infrastructure will uh, do the opposite of what I think both parties, leading parties in the province right now are saying, they care about, which is in attracting investment. Having the right infrastructure in place, livable cities that attract young people, that are the talent base for the next economy, that's how you build an economy. You don't build an economy by, by hurting your two, two, particularly your two big cities. So, so to the LRT question, yes. you, you want to ask that specifically, I'm happy to... <laughs> well, to because a, a listener has asked this question. You know, I don't know if you're aware of this, Councillor, but uh, LRT is a hot topic in this city. Yeah. Uh, this uh, listener says, please ask the Councillor, why does the city have to use different styles of LRT from trains to signaling systems to how they operate? Uh, the new proposed new south leg of the LRT possibly stopping at lights rather than having priority. Would it not be easier to have one system, system-wide, for ease of integration with the rest of the current system, even if it means retrofitting the original line to meet the current standards of the new line? So that's a great question. Uh, you know, the original uh, capital line was, you know, more of, I always joke, it's kind of like the Eastern European industrial style train <laughs> that, you know, lumbers along, you know, and, <laughs> and everything stops while it comes by, and, and, and it was really about moving people, and it was a commuter train. Uh, and you know, aside from Century Park, which has been a great hope and we see now being built, it wasn't really designed for creating the density and the kind of built form that we now yearn for, I think, in the city, which is more efficient, less expensive, uh, more focused on the core. Uh, so the, the, that, and that's what created the shift to this more urban style, low floor, streetcar style LRT, which was about driving development and helping achieve the city goal, which is actually the most important city goal to me. And the biggest reason I um, am ha happy to serve on council is to start to shift our development patterns away from stretching out, 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 and out to growing up. And LRT, as we've designed it uh, through the Valley Line, uh, creates opportunities, particularly in the West Line, more than the Southeast Line. The Southeast Line, again, decided before I was on council, but I support the idea of getting more and more people from Mill Woods uh, to downtown on mass transit. And then you got investments. Strathern has long been up in the works. Um, Strathern Heights, oh, okay. the development. Uh, what is now we have proved at Holyrood, the the Morgard folks and the investments at at uh, Bonnie Dune, that train is in fact luring significant investment from outside of the city and the province to Edmonton. Uh, we've already heard musings about those kinds of investments coming uh, on the West Line. Uh, so I feel comfortable that the style of train we shifted to is the right style of train. Is it going to create traffic headaches that we have to work very hard to mitigate and we can't be glib about? I feel sometimes like we're glib about that mm -hmm. as a city. Yep. And, and I don't want to be or ever mean to be. I drive around with my kids in the car 
turning beet red from time to time when they're yelling at me because they're going to be late for their basketball practice. Like, I know what it's like. I'm a regular Edmontonian doing regular things. Do you use LRT? Yeah. I, Do I, you? Yeah, so I use it as much as I can. My, the nature of my work, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's not... The transit system here is far from perfect where mm-hmm. I can't get from here to... If I need to be at a regional meeting in yep. Strathcona County and then back to my yep. ward and then home all within a 12-hour window... It's, it's not designed, and I think that's why the LRT system, as we've planned it, in my view, notwithstanding construction management, is the right thing. The bus network redesign hopefully <sighs> fixes the bus system, and that we have a regional transit system, which we now have 13 municipalities committed to building. So we're, we're getting there. It's frustrating that it's taking so long. It ties up traffic. Construction <laughs> sucks. Yeah. But... Um, it's progress, in my view. The testing that's going on tomorrow, what's the what's going on? What's what's the latest on that front? So the ongoing back and forth between us and the signaling contractor to see if what they said they were going to provide us is actually being provided mm-hmm. to us. And there's a period of time always when their fixes to our questions need to be tested, and that's what's happening. Inconveniencing people for a day... Uh, on top of a number of other days that they've been inconvenienced because of this problem. This is a small point, Mm -hmm. but worth mentioning, because I bet you some of our listeners are thinking, in fact, I know they are. So oftentimes the criticism of council or of politicians in general is that you don't live in the same world we do. You just mentioned you're an Ebitonian Mm -hmm. as well. You're out there. In our world, we look at a Fleetwood Mac concert at Rogers Place and go, (laughs) why would you stop LRT Mm -hmm. service on a night in which there's a major concert in the city? Because there's other, yeah, so. Well, Sunday, are, then it's Remembrance other, Day. Right. So that's a challenge. Factors, then right? Monday, but you're done. I think it, without saying what I can't say, uh, <laughs> there is a back and forth between us and the signaling contra- contractor to test certain things in a limited period of time. And so the opportunities okay. to do those things are limited. We're, whether we do it on tomorrow or on Sunday or on Monday, is uh, I would a feel bunch of factors. Yep, I would I feel better if if you could uh, tell me. And this is stupid, yeah. I know, but it's not like to an average citizen, it's not. I would feel better if you could tell me that somebody did go. Oh, there's a Fleetwood Mac concert <laughs> that night, and the rest of you went. Ah, uh, what are you going to do? Like, I would at least like to know that somebody brought that yeah, to council's I, attention. I have no doubt that uh, all the factors are considered, and we try and minimize. I know, like, as much as I'm talking about limiting job growth in, in the city of, in the corporation. You know, I work with people uh, who work for the city every day, and they wake up passionate about the city, wanting to do their jobs right, not wanting to inconvenience people, because they too, like you, are regular Edmontonians who need to get up in the morning, get their kids to school, buy groceries, take their kids here and there. Oh, you lost me on the morning part, but I get your point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, most people get up in the morning. <laughs> and, and so, you know, I'm not going to ever suggest, because I don't believe it, that people are being nefarious in, in intent, intent about anything. It can, inconvenience is, is cer- it certainly needs to be minimized, and I have no doubt that they try. But yeah, terrible about the Fleetwood Mac concert. Just just on a complete you know offshoot of this, you know, my kid and my uh, daughter-in-law just moved back from Tokyo, where it's obviously all trains all the time, and they are using nothing but the LRT. Mm-hmm. They just bought a new vehicle, but they're and lucky enough. Work is downtown, so they and they live close to Century Park, or every, that they go and yeah. they go. They're using it nonstop. They love it. If right. they're going downtown to see friends, that's what they use. 
use. They're not Ubering it. They're not taxi driving it. And I think that sometimes, like I could say, even if I lived over there, I probably wouldn't do it. I'd still right. drive. And I'm wondering if it's just it's a different, it's a generational thing as as well that some of the younger kids, I mean younger kids, we're talking 20, late, almost almost into their 30s, right. are, are, are loving it when it's working properly. I have no uh, doubt in my mind that if this city had never built a, a foot of LRT uh, and still had this many people, we would be debating, traffic congestion would be worse. Mm. We'd be arguing about the best way to deal with traffic congestion, talking about which roads to widen, which roads not to widen. We'd be building a second ring road. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our growth and ring roads are magnets for suburban development. Yeah. And that's costly. Uh, it's getting less costly because the development community has been f- really sophisticated at building higher density, more affordable neighborhoods. They deserve a lot of credit for that. Uh, but LRT is an, um, and mass transit is an important part of making the city in the long run for our kids and grandkids more affordable. There is no doubt in my mind about that. Now, how we manage the construction and how we plan it is is a secondary and tertiary question that are very important questions. And I, I can't tell you today that we've gotten that all right. Because the the fact that it's not grade separated at University Ave, <laughs> 51st Ave, mistakes that I didn't decide on, but I'll never live down mm-hmm. until I leave office. Well, here's my average right? Joe uh, tip for you. Uh, when next to building anything, double it. If it's going to be two lanes, make it four. <laughs> it's going to be one mile long, make yeah. it two miles long. <laughs> Just in anticipation. We're not playing catch Except up for the rest. hiring staff. Yeah, oh, no, that. Half, half that. Half that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Ward 10 City Councilor Michael Walters joining us in studio this afternoon. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Happy Remembrance Day. And uh, yeah, my respect to everybody who's uh, part of the military. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, uh, speaking of things uh, locally... LRT is fun. LRT is fun, and we didn't get to bike lanes either, but... Are there better ways to (laughs) hire people? (laughs) Yeah, I know. Are there better ways to do LRT? A lot of... And listen, we don't live in that world, but we live in a kind of a similar world, right? We're on radio, but we're not elected officials. I I feel for, and I've said this many Mm. times, I feel for those individuals who give themselves to public service because you do it and then you're... You know, criticized. You're mainly crapped on. Yeah, at every turn, and I get it. And everyone knows how to run a city better than the councillors and the city council Mm -hmm. do. And I totally get that. But it is just every now and then I wonder if some of the grief is not brought on themselves, um, just through optics. You know, talking about a headline where hey, we we need to hire 750 more people, and there's going to be a tax increase. You know, and it. You know, the the councillor explained it, but as a taxpayer, you're like. No. Okay, but don't the, hire them and don't increase my taxes. Or, but here's the thing: once he explained it too, sure. is that just the headline and clickbait too? It, so. it, exactly, exactly. <laughs> or you know, when you talk about LRT mm. and, and you know, like, uh, hey, when you start getting money put together uh, and promises of money from the province the year before an election, and mm. you're expanding into the West End, but you haven't quite got the yeah. last one done correctly. Again, it's optics that well, did we want to maybe yeah. nail that down before we moved on to the next one? But that, that LRT system and I I I want good LRT in this city and I want uh, connectivity I mm-hmm. want to be able to get places on LRT I really do like the idea of it how how we're going to do it in a city that is 
you know, this massive, this spread out, mm-hmm. and it's it'll be long past when I'm gone before that will will ever ever I'm sure happen. That's, I'm sure that's a right? true statement. Um, you know, you think about, um, you know, I live deep southwest. Okay, when would the west connection? We're looking years and years down the road if it happens. But again, you know, like I said, I look at uh, I look at Colton and Heechan. They are on that thing every day. Having said that, they live close by and they work downtown. But so you know, it's easy yep, for them. Exactly. I was just going to say because Toronto. Now, mm-hmm. when I go to Toronto, you make it easy. I exclusively use public transit, yep. right? And and it's easy. Like you know, the the hotels where I stay, or yep. or you know, it's a bus to the uh, to the subway, and you can go oh, anywhere, no. right? And if you want to go to Mississauga, you can trade uh-huh. over to their transit system because they overlap. Yep. But I've seen comics come out here from Alberta who fully intend to use our public transit and then can't figure Mm -hmm. out how to get on it. Like, you know, how to... So where... Mm. If I'm staying at four points by Sheraton, what bus do I take to get to the... You know what I mean? And I sort of... We've talked about it before, but I go through the same thing where I go, Uber's just easier. Well, it is. You know, just Uber it to the hockey game. We'll call it a day, right? You know, so... But maybe it's a mindset. Maybe it's an age thing, like you said. Well, it's a little bit of everything. But again, it's not having... It's not easy yet. Unless you're Mm. on the line... I think it's not really easy. Yeah. Uh, and unless you can find some good parking around the line, it's well, not really That's why I hesitated, because like, dare I bring up parking again? But no. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.